the CFL, as I said off the top, announced some new player safety policies today, many of them, the majority of them relating to concussions. Now, I think we can understand why they would want to do this. The NFL is facing a massive, massive series of class action lawsuits from people who have suffered concussions. The CFL has now had some players step forward to sue. This is a potential nightmare for a league if they don't take real action. And that's only assuming that that part is just financial. We would like to believe that the folks who run leagues also have a vested interest in the human side of this and want their players to be safe. So they put in a bunch of new policies today. Well, are they going to work? Well, we're going to tell you what some of them are. And to help us understand this, I thought we would bring in someone who is not directly involved with the league so he can speak freely and be truly independent because these are interesting topics, but we don't want someone who is just going to say absolutely yes, and you don't necessarily believe it because you think they've got some sort of connection to this. We don't. Dr. David Robinson is a doctor at the David Braley Sport Medicine and Rehabilitation Clinic at McMaster University. He is the team doctor for the Hamilton Bulldogs. He is a team doctor for the McMaster Marauders football team. He has been involved in sports and also dealing with concussions for years and years and years, and he joins us now. Doctor, thanks for doing this tonight. My pleasure, Scott. Let's start with what I think is the really interesting idea that the CFL has come up with that is, as far as I know, it's unique in the world of sports. They have now said that they are going to be placing a spotter, someone who will be in the command center. So they've already got this place set up for replays and reviews and everything. They are now going to have a spotter in that command center in contact with the referees on the field who, if he or she sees a player that they believe is in distress, they can pull that player from the field for further testing. Do you see any potential in that? Well, first off, the NHL has actually been doing that for a few years now as well, and I believe the NFL has as well, too. Now, they've had direct contact with the trainers on the field. Um, It's it's an interesting idea. It's hard to watch, especially in football, if you've got 24 people colliding. It's pretty hard to watch all 24 and see what's happening. Uh, Certainly in hockey, it's hard enough for me to watch 10. Um, So I'm not against having an extra set of eyes that could see people that are potentially in trouble. Um, the downside to it is I've, I've watched hockey games. Uh, I've watched Montreal Canadiens game. I remember where uh, uh, Max Pacioretty had obviously been rocked, and the trainer went over uh, to talk to him, and he just waved him away. Uh, so it has to be enforceable. Uh, I mean, I, you can't. It's nice to have somebody to spot it, but from the sounds of things, they're actually going to physically remove the player from play if that's the case. So. Well, you are, as you say, you are a sports fan, in addition to being a doctor who is involved with athletics and sports. Have you watched often, have you watched games on TV and seen someone get rocked or get driven into the boards or hit hard in a football game as a doctor and said to yourself, oh man, that, that guy needs some attention. It, it may not have been picked up, but that you've spotted it on TV? Well, I guess I have a, a bit of a jaw side towards that because of what I do for a living. But I, I think we all saw the case of the uh, quarterback, I believe it was Case Keenum last year at the end of the NFL season that was obviously rocked and uh, uh, they left him in the game towards the end, and, and uh, there was obviously a big to-do about that. So I think it happens, but I think we're also attuned to concussion now that it's, uh, I would think it would be pretty rare that something like that would get missed. But you talk about how you're jaundiced, but isn't that exactly the kind of person you would want to be, the spotter in the booth who is jaundiced and who is looking specifically for that? Yes. Oh, yeah, I think so. I, I'd be interested to hear what the qualifications are of the person that's watching as well, though, too. Um, I would hope it would be somebody medical. 
um, or at least somebody who's had some experience in concussion. I would assume it would be. Um, but um, they'll be looking for signs that the player might be concussed. He gets up, he holds his head, he seems unsteady. Um, you know, the, I, again, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think uh, any extra set eyes we can have is probably a good idea. I have talked to a number of athletes over the years who have talked about the fact that, yeah, you know what, they saw some stars or they thought they took a, a good knock to the head, but, you know, they don't want to come out. They're not really sure they're concussed. How good are athletes now? Because we all know that they know that trainers and doctors are looking for this, and they know that if they leave the field, you know, who knows when you get back on and who knows if you may be out, and that could cost you money. How good are athletes at hiding this now, or are they good at all at hiding it? Well, I think they can be, and I think this really, as I read through all these recommendations, this is what struck me. At some point, the players have to be responsible for the safety. I know this was a combined initiative between the CFL and CFLPA. Ultimately, it's the players that are going to be hurt if they are not honest. Um, I mean, I've had a concussion, and I know what it felt like, and I knew immediately something was not right. And certainly any player I've ever talked to, uh, when they're being honest, will admit to me the same thing. Um, I think... Definitely, there are times I understand a player might feel pressure that this is his one shot to get in the lineup, and if he leaves now, um, he might not get back in again. But I think those days are ending. I mean, I've had players in McMaster games who have walked up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think I'm concussed. I think you should do the scat on me now. I think we've seen a big a big turn that players are taking responsibility for this. They, there's been enough in the news to then know this is a potentially dangerous injury, and um, I think we're seeing less and less of uh, players trying to hide these injuries. Do you think, though, that this is going to be well-received and, 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 and that there's going to be stick-to-itiveness on this? And the reason I ask that is because you and I know, and you're again, you're a sports fan, your team is marching down the field uh, or is on the ice on a power play, and one of your best players, your quarterback, your defenseman, whatever it is, has now been spotted by the guy at Command Central and, and who says, ah, I think he needs to come off. And the game could be on the line, and he may or may not be concussed, but now he has to leave the field. When that happens, if it turns out that a guy isn't concussed, is this going to blow up? Is, is the league, do you believe a league is going to stick to this, even when it doesn't necessarily mean that the person had a concussion, but maybe cost a team a game? Well, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I think certainly any healthcare professional I've worked with would make that decision 100% of the time to remove the athlete. I mean, I know the people that have been looking after the Tiger Cats between the trainers and the doctor uh, for the last, well, in the case of the doctor, for 40-plus years. And I know all, all three of those people would definitely have removed uh, a player from the game, no matter what the situation was in the game, if, if that's what it called for. Um, I, I guess we're going to have to take that chance, aren't we? Because the consequences of not removing that player and having them hit again are, are potentially disastrous. Well, and I'm wondering, honestly, um, if we're even if that's even a thing that we're going to raise. Are we not past that point now? L- understanding the the reality of concussions and some guys who have had suicide uh, committed suicide and that, but but also, I mean, if you just want to get down to bare money, this is costing the leagues potentially mil- hundreds of millions, billions of dollars. It's in their financial interest to look after this. Well, it is. It is, and I think that's probably what drives, unfortunately, a lot of the change that we see. We've talked about this before, Scott, but I think a lot of what's going to change and what has changed has been legally driven, and that's that's just the nature of the world. Um, and certainly some of these things that were implemented today uh, are, are very safe. Uh, lawyers are going to be happy these things were in place, and the league's going to be able to point and say, well, look at all the measures we took 
uh, to protect you. Um, so I'm sure so, some of it is thinking, looking down the road, uh, saying, have we done enough for these players? Or has the perception been that we've done enough for these players? You are probably not going to like this next question, but the, I would think that the secondary suggestion that comes from this change is that, you know what, um, doctors are occasionally missing something. Trainers are occasionally missing something. We need to have that second set of eyes to pick this up. Does it happen? Does it happen that sometimes either a doctor misses it or, as we just said, that a player, when you're face-to-face with him, can do a good job of hiding it, but then when you turn your back, he does something that maybe the person upstairs is going to say, aha, see, there it is, we've got to get that. Oh, sure, I think that could happen. As I said, I, I, I always preface uh, the conversation when I talk to a player about this. I always say, I need you to be honest with me. If you're not, you're the only one who's going to be hurt by this. Um, I think certainly players can fool you just with questioning and testing. I mean, there's certainly some things that we can do. The introduction of the King Devic test is interesting. Uh, that was one of the guidelines. Yeah, what, the explain what that is, David. Explain what that is. Well, it's kind of there's there are three different scorecards. The player does it as baseline. It, it's actually a remove from play tool. Um, so it's a tool you can be used quickly on the sidelines to remove an athlete from play to say there's a chance this player is concussed. So they, they do a baseline early in the season when they're well. Uh, it's a set of three cards where they have to read off numbers that are sort of jumbled on the screen as fast as they can, and they score how fast they can do it and how many errors they make, and they keep that as their baseline so that they can then, on the sidelines, if there's a question about this, they can um, pop it up on the screen again and over the course of two minutes have them repeat the test and compare to their baseline scores. And if, they're, uh, if their score isn't as, as, as quick, uh, you know, if they're not as fast at it or if they've made more errors, then that's a pretty good indicator that there may have been a concussive injury and, is, uh, and then the player could be removed from play. Yeah, and that King Devic test is also one of the protocols the CFL is putting in, that this will be something a doctor could do. I, I suppose if you're a real cynic, you would say that if you're a, a player who is concerned that this might happen, you make sure you score really slow in your, in your baseline at the start <laughs> well, of the year. Well, that is one way to do it. And I know we, we have another test we do with McMaster athletes called an impact test, and it's, it's a preseason baseline as well, a neurocognitive test. Uh, we use it as a return to play tool more, meaning the player claims that they're fine. It's Friday afternoon. They want to play on the game on Saturday. Uh, they come and tell me they're fine, and I say, okay, well, let's do your impact test and see how your scores are. Um, and we, we always caution the guys at the beginning of the year that please try your best on the baseline. Again, you're just hurting yourself if you, um, if you try to get a low score. But there are also measures within the test to sort of to tell how hard a player is trying. Oh, okay. Um, so, so there are ways to safeguard against that, against tanking on your baseline. Just before we let you go, you know, this, this is an ongoing issue that, um, again, all sports pretty much are now working with this. And if a player comes to you if, you, if you recognize something on a field as a doctor for a team, and you believe that the player may be concussed, and yet he can fake it enough to get away with it, are you still potentially liable? Is the team still potentially liable if he has fooled you? If you've asked him all the right questions, if you've done all the things that you're supposed to do and he's been able to pull the wool over your eyes, are you still on the hook for that? Well, I think in medicine, as long as we've done due diligence and we've practiced standard of care and we've documented what we've done, then we're, we're protected with that. So again, I think the onus is on the player to be honest. Um, I don't think there's a football player alive that can't claim he doesn't heard about concussions and CTE and the potential consequences of untreated or poorly treated concussions. So uh, when it boils down to it, it's the players that are going to have to take responsibility for this. The doctors and the trainers are there to help them. 
uh, but it's ultimately up to them to be honest with us. And and do you believe, even though they all know about it, they also realize, as I said a moment ago, that if they were to leave with a concussion, it could be a couple of weeks, it could be a longer than that, they could lose their spot and potentially they could lose a pro career, they could lose money. Do you believe that players are buying it yet? Or do you believe that there is still a hesitancy that it's still better to pretend and defend? I'm seeing that less and less, I think. Um, I think players are really understanding the significance of these injuries. And um, maybe that's the way that I choose to see it, but I I think that is the reality. Uh, As I said, I've had athletes come up to me and ask me to screen them to see if they have had a concussion. And again, if if you've ever had one, it's not not difficult to know that you've got one. Mm -hmm. And... um, uh, so I think I think the onus falls back on the player. Well, and, and just as I let you go, last thing, you have now in the last number of years worked with the Hamilton Bulldogs as an AHL team where you're dealing with men and professionals and you're dealing with an OHL team later who are pretty much boys, teenagers, who are trying to get to be professionals. Do you see a difference in how either of those groups is one more likely than the other to be up front because of the career they possibly might have or money that might cost them, or is it the same? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I, I have seen a difference. I think uh, the difference with the AHL guys is they were potentially, uh, you know, they could be getting a phone call after that very game saying a spot's open up in Montreal and cough on a plane and be up there. So I think, if anything, an AHL player was more likely to try to hide the injury. The OHL kids, I found them this year. First of all, we didn't have that many concussions, but uh, certainly the ones we did, all of them, the kids were very upfront with me. They didn't fight me at all in the diagnosis. They were very uh, good about cooperating. Um, if anything, I guess I feel uh, an even stronger uh, duty, uh, responsibility to protect these kids. Uh, I mean, I've, I have kids that age, and, uh, um, you know, in, in, to a degree, the men in the HL are men, and they're making a decision on their own. These are still teenagers that need a little more protection. Dr. David Robinson from the David Braley School of Rehab and Sports Medicine down at McMaster. Thanks for doing this, as always. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And please, when you have Steve on, please tell him that my vote for head coach is Troy Smith. Okay? I think he did a great job. Fletch. I will I will pass that along for sure. I'm sure you get a double vote, so I'll, I'll make sure that okay. that goes through. Thanks, Dave. Okay, thanks, Ed.